Welcome to the Philippe Matthews Show at thepmshow.tv. Named the Oprah of the Internet by Mark Victor Hansen, Philippe Matthews doesn't ask questions that are different. He simply asks questions that make a difference. The Philippe Matthews Show features entertainers, bestsellers, authors, thought leaders, change agents, and world-class experts in the field of personal, spiritual, and professional development. An internet marketing entrepreneur, Philippe is a creator of the How Movement, dedicated to teaching people how to move from the mindset of hope to the process of how. If you are ready to take your life to the next level, move from the mindset of why to the mindset of why not. Tune in right now to this latest latest edition of the Philippe Matthews Show, and watch your life grow. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, on the Philippe Matthews Show, and I have uh, on the show uh, a lady who I saw first on, um, I think it was Byron Allen's uh, 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 Comics Unleashed, and she was unbelievably funny, a very funny lady, which happens to be her moniker and her website. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Leanne Lord. How are you, sweetie? Yeah. I'm excellent, hon. How are you? I am fantastic. I'm much better now that you are on the phone with me. Oh, you got to stop now. <laughs> well, you know, you got to get it where you can. You know, I'm an old, old man. Oh, man. Oh, stop it. With advances in medicine, you know, nobody's old anymore. <laughs> That's true. And, you know, it's amazing what they're doing with stem cells now. So um, talk to me about this comedy, because I saw you on, on Byron Allen, uh, and I've seen you, uh, you know, on YouTube do a very different stand-up, and you are hilarious. Where did this comic genius come from? Well, you know what? Can I be really, really honest here? Uh, I appreciate the compliment, first and foremost, but I am not the funniest person in my family at all. That is my mom and dad. They are very funny. They're hilarious. I'm just the only one trying to get paid to do it. That's the only difference between us. <laughs> all right. So I see, I, I, I see that we might have mom and dad come on the, on, on the tour with you or something. Uh, oh, man. Yeah. You know what? It's funny. People meet my parents and they go, oh, oh, yeah, okay, we get it now. <laughs> <laughs> it makes all the sense in the world. Absolutely. So, where are you from? Where, uh, where, where are you born and raised? And uh, uh, you got a big family, small family? Uh, well, believe it or not, I know there are people that's an actual native New Yorker who's still living in New York. Uh, wow. Yeah, I know. Yes, there are about seven of us. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, wait a minute. Yep, I am a, a born and raised native New Yorker. Uh, in case uh, you have uh, listeners out there who are New Yorkers, uh, I am from Queens, very specifically. A uh, very, very famous uh, borough, uh, made famous by Eddie Murphy in Coming to America. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. He didn't find me, so I'm uh, still here. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. You found yourself. That's all right. So uh, you, you come from Queens. New York, uh, you know, I, I, I would assume you never ran up to your mother and saw me and said, hey, mom, dad, when I grow up, I want to become a comedian. 
Yeah, that conversation didn't really happen like okay. that. Not at all. Um, but they thought when they sent me to college, they were bankrolling a little stockbroker. Aha, <laughs> uh-huh. aha. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. quiet as a chest. You know, I had uh, family conversations coming on here. Oh boy. Um, yeah, that was a, that was a tough one. I went to school uh, originally as a finance major. And uh, then my wake-up call was an economics class that I didn't understand. <laughs> I said, maybe I can switch over do something a little different. <laughs> but I, uh, no, no. You know what? I did feel the call, though, uh, for both English, because I got my degree in journalism and creative writing and in theater, because I've always been a writer at heart. Uh, performance, of course, uh, was there. And, you know, putting two together, you're able to blend those two skills, you know, got stand-up. But I didn't do stand-up until uh, after I graduated college, after I'd had a, a regular real-world job uh, for a little while and realized I hated it. <laughs> wow. You know, well, you know, there are a lot of people who hate their jobs. And, uh, however, uh, there are a lot of people who uh, should keep their jobs. Uh, that's not as good as they thought they should be or could be, what in you decided or when did you decide that it was time to uh, quit the job and do comedy full time? Well, you know, let me let me sort of put it in order a little bit. I didn't quit until it was almost a sure thing, you know, in closing, mean, nothing, nothing sure. But I kept my day job for a while, and I was literally burning the candle at both ends. You know, I was going to work during the day. I was hanging out in the clubs at night. Uh, and you were a comic. Oh my gosh, yeah. It was I was okay. really, really putting in the effort and then it got to the point where my boss uh was absolutely fantastic. You know, she was she's married to an engineer, she's married to an engineer. And she knew what I was trying to do and you know, when I sat down and I had to talk with her, she let me go down to part time, which was almost a misnomer because I was still putting in full time work, just doing it part time. Mm-hmm. And then it got mm-hmm. to the point when I said, You know what, I'm I'm ready to take Relief because I had an agent at that point who was sending me out. I was performing at colleges. I was I was doing relatively, you know, well. And I said I I gotta I gotta take the chance. And you know, kudos to my parents at the time. They were very supportive. They said, you know, I had done everything I was supposed to do. You know, mm-hmm. I went to college. I got a degree. I, at the time, I wasn't married, didn't have kids. And they said, now's the time for you to to give it a try because if you don't, you'll always regret it. Mm. Well, that's pretty understanding. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, you know, I, I found out later they were absolutely terrified. Nobody, <laughs> 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 no parent wants to hear their kid wants to go off and 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 send to themselves in the big bad world of entertainment. <laughs> that's uh, woo, that's that that's a tough one as a parent. Like I I don't have kids, and I can tell you if I did, I wouldn't want my kid to say that. But like, please don't have no parent, baby. Please don't have no parent. Just go be the doctor. Not have any talent whatsoever. <laughs> no, no. Do something normal. Do something normal. Mama don't have no health insurance. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, what style would you consider your comedy to be? I mean, I, I, I think you, because of your background in writing and theater, I think you're just a genius. Very, very clever. Uh, oh, you thank you. Yourself, you're very welcome. What would you consider yourself to be? Uh, I, I see myself as a very, you know, classic 
ophthalmologists. You know, it, there's, there's no antics, there's no, there's no fire, there's no sparkles. You know, you, you, I'm on stage, it's me, the microphone, and the audience. You know, it's pure, you need to pay attention. You know, it's, it's a sort of a blend, I like to think, between some of the folks that I call my idols. You know, like uh, George Carlin, Franklin mm-hmm. Guy, uh, Rita Rudner, and they all have very specific elements that I feel uh, uh, describing, like George Carlin was, uh, he had his very political and searing moments. Uh, Franklin Ajay is known as a jazz comedian, very smooth and fluid on stage and effortless. Mm-hmm. Rita mm-hmm. Rudner uh, was one of the first comics I remember seeing who completely embraced her femininity in an industry that's going to be very male dominated and let it work for her. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I sort of, you know, embody, you know, a little bit of each of those folks that I looked up to uh, and admired. And I, I guess if I had to put adjectives uh, to it, it would be uh, smart and classy. Mm, I love it. I love it. Uh, so, you know, where did you get the chutzpah? Because, you know, a lot of, one of the biggest fears of uh, most people is public speaking. Here you are not only doing public speaking anymore, but going on stage and telling jokes. Uh, I know. And that's a lot. Where did that come from? How did you, how did you uh, do that, or was that easy for you? Well, you know what? Um, I often tell people a little bit of brain damage helped. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure if I if I had a CAT scan, they'd look at me and go, you know, something's not right. She seems okay on the outside, but there's something a little not right there. Uh, I will tell you, I had my first inkling um, back in high school because that was the first time that uh, I was required to take a speech class. And, you know, everyone else in the class is horrified. And my response was, hold up, wait, I get to stand up in front of people and they got to listen to me? When is it my turn? <laughs> so that was the first inclination that I had that maybe I was a little bit different um, from my peers and how I uh, approached standing up in front of people. You know, in terms of now being cinnamon, people ask me all the time, you know, how do you have the courage to get on stage? I'm like, uh, how do you have the courage not to? Right. <laughs> I, just, right. I, I can't even imagine not having that be a part of my life. You know, that, that's to me where the world's normal, to be honest with you. So with your style of being, being classy and clever, uh, would you say that, what, what would you say, do you, do you do comedy that, that tells a story? Do you like to tell a story or do you go straight for the jugular type of, of jokes and the one-liners? Uh, how would you define uh, your delivery? Um, you know, I think it's a blend. Believe it or not, um, unless you're just a straight one-liner comic, there's always an arc. Uh, in uh, someone's set or in what they're doing. There's a beginning, there's a middle, there's an end. Uh, for me, it's uh, it's telling, the, the I guess, the very personal story of things that go on in my life, things that I notice that everyone notices. You know, people are married, people have kids, people have jobs, people are trying to go to work, people are, are, are reading the paper going, fiscal cliffs, how does this affect me? Wait a minute, Twinkies are more important. You know, so it's, it's noticing those things and then having the courage to say, hey, I want to talk about this uh, in front of people. So it's it's finding, you know, those things that make you cock your eyebrow and, and looking at the world a little differently and being willing Absolutely. to talk about it. Absolutely. You have a, yeah, you have a very uh, unique way of, of, of looking at the world. Um, how, you know, I think that's what makes a comic a comic is that you take real-life, real-world situations, and uh, you find that gap, I guess. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. You, you find the gap, and you also find those things that, you know, correlate 
other people. You find those, those common experiences. Like, yeah, I can say if I'm performing at a college, I wouldn't necessarily do material about being married. That's not their experience. Mm-hmm. You know, but I, mm-hmm. when I went to college, I read. Uh, <laughs> so, I, you know, you, you, you find, you know, at least in the beginning, that material that um, correlates, you know, and, and touches people in your audience and sort of, you know, starts to build that relationship, so to speak. So how, has, how long have you been doing this now? Oh, Lord. You know what? I feel like I started doing open mics with Harriet Tubman. <laughs> I've been out here a while. Um, but, no, I will, I will, I will be honestly, uh, the first time that I stepped on stage to do stand-up, uh, I will never forget the date. It was March 31st, 1992. Uh, please don't do the math for me because it hurts my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> Where is that calculator at? I have one. Hey, now, you better stop. Don't even do it. I will hang up. A, I will use the stop interview. <laughs> Oh, so so let's say you've been in the game for a minute. Um, now, now here's the thing: uh, you are uh, don't take offense to this, easy on the eyes. Uh, and okay, I'm not offended by that at all. As a matter of fact, I would I would I would suffice to say that you're extremely easy on the eyes. So, has that been a plus or a minus uh, as it relates to? Comedy, because there's not a lot of uh, female comics in terms of ratio to men, uh, but then also there's not a, a lot of female comics who look like models. Wow, model, model. Oh, my goodness. I, I, let me suck it in and play the part now. <laughs> Bask in that marinade in that for a moment and uh, come on back with us. Okay, listen. Um, well, I, I, I think that's changing. Um, while, you know, there's still uh, issues that pop up, there are way more female comics now than ever. Um, and just statistically, you know, not all of them are troglodytes. They can't be. Uh, okay. We do have some very attractive uh, women doing comedy. Uh, but to answer the first part uh, of your question, uh, I would say in the beginning it was actually a problem for me. Uh, and that's a problem for the audience. And he's it, like, oh, is this pretty girl doing comedy? Well, what's she going to say? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then women being, you know, either angry or intimidated or men staring too long and the women being angry at the men. Um, but I found that as I became more comfortable with myself, uh, that put the audience more at ease. You know, so in the very beginning, you know, I remember I was wearing these big boxy jackets and hats. I'm like, don't look at me. I'm not a girl. Don't pay attention. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And I kind of sort of had to grow up and, and grow into myself and, and become comfortable and uh, realize that I am a woman. Uh, that is, you know, not necessarily a tool, but it's a gift uh, that I have on stage. And when you are comfortable with yourself, the audience follows along. Um, I'm not, I, it's not something I overemphasize on stage. It's nothing I do emphasize anymore on stage. I don't mm-hmm. believe in getting on stage dressing like I look like I just came out of my garden. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to look nice. You know, I believe in dressing up for the stage because it is a show. They call it show business for a reason. You get out there and you, I feel, uh, I picked my advice from uh, Richard Belter. He said you should dress as if you're going out on a date. Uh, which would explain why a lot of comics look so bad because they ain't been on a date in a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm sure that the life of a comic is 
difficult uh, in terms of travel, in terms of having to be on uh, every time. Uh, how, how do you handle that pressure of being, especially now, being a comic? Well, you know what? Let me just, for the record, say everybody's life is hard. Everybody's life is difficult. Everybody's got challenges in what they do. Now, there are some things that are very specific uh, to stand-ups, and you hit the nail on the head. A lot of it, it is the travel. You know, it is the fact that we work at night. You know, I, I get together with my colleagues, and we say all the time, it's very difficult to have a normal relationship with what I call a daywalker. <laughs> so yeah, nice, nice. yeah. Yeah, you know, they're, they're normal people. The society revolves around them. They've got this 9 to 5 gig, if you're lucky. Uh, and we are the exact opposite. You know, my I get ready to go to work 5 o'clock in the evening when everybody else is doing off work. You know, I work on the weekends when everybody else is going out to have a good time. And nightclubs where there's alcohol and a preponderance of men. How many people have the stamina to to put up with that or to understand that over the long haul? So that's uh, a part of it that can be uh, difficult on relationships. Believe it or not, for both men and women. You know, what woman wants to know that her guy's in the club all the time? Mm-hmm. That that's his job. You know, and, I mean, there's just a known fact, and it's, you know, let's not butter the sugarcoat it here. Uh, you probably get hit on quite a bit. You know, you would think that. You would think that. You know, there's two things going on here. One, uh, a lot of times I'm very oblivious because I'm just so driven. I don't even notice it. If you're subtle, I don't get you at all. Um, that's number one. Number two, uh, there's also a large segment of the male population that is intimidated. Uh, I'm not saying really? this, this is not my ego. This is, I think, guys, normal guys see women on stage in a very powerful position and are intimidated. So I don't claim that for myself. I think that happens to many female comics uh, or, or female performers in general. And so while they might even enjoy the performance, they, they have a great time, they're fans, they may or may not approach um, because they think, oh, my God, she's going to shoot me down. Um so, yeah, I, 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 am I, you know, really in the corner crying into my IT? Absolutely not. Um, but I don't think I get hit on as much as people think. That is fascinating. I never would have guessed that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, so how has that, I don't want to get all in your business, but, I mean, you know, let's, if, you, if you're comfortable to talk about it, how has that affected uh, your relationship? Well, I uh, I did something very interesting. <laughs> I uh, I married a comic, um, a fan of comic, uh, which I swore I married a comic. I married a fan of comic. Um, and here's wow. the thing: people ask me all the time, "Should I date a comic?" I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I am I am a, I am a complete and total hypocrite. Because um, you know what, I interesting. I always thought of it like dating with the office. You know, if it went the only reason dating a comic is that okay, here's somebody that completely gets all of the downsides of being in a relationship with someone in entertainment. Was that your original logic in well, thinking that? Well, my original logic was to not do it at all. Um, and then I did see the positives. First of all, I saw him as a guy, not just as a comic, but although that is how we met. 
uh, but to to have a relationship with someone, as you said, who does get it, who does get the late night, who does get the travel, who does get, you know, when you come home and say, oh, I had a bad set, you know, that actually means something to them. You know, that you know, mm-hmm. a, a guy would go, you know, was it you, was it new material, was it the audience, was it the MC? You know, a regular person may not think to be that sensitive to what's going on, you know, mm-hmm. in the in, in comedy world. So I will say it was wonderful um, to have that support. Uh, now, uh, I, I have to, to add in, in, uh, in, in honesty at the moment, uh, we are not together right now because, uh, you know, things happen, you know, mm-hmm. life happens, mm-hmm. and things happen. Uh, and, and they were like, what happened? I'm like, it's life, it's complicated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what mm-hmm. I'm sticking to it. But I, I would say for the, the positives, it was actually really wonderful to have someone who got it. So, you know, early on in my career, I said, never date a comic, and, and now I might have to recant that. If you find that person who gets you and is supportive and it's mutual, I think it's the same advice. Anybody in any industry um, would get, you know, be careful, don't date a dirtbag. <laughs> right, no scrubs, no scrubs. Right. So, so you know, I remember us having a conversation and you were saying, well, I don't know, Felice, if I really want to talk about relationships right now because of what yeah. I'm talking about. I think it's absolutely opposite of that, uh, Leanne, and here's why. Because guess what? This is real life. And there are women out there right now that's going to be listening to this interview who are some perhaps burgeoning uh, comics or just women in general or women uh, in, uh, you know, uh, a business or, or, or a company that requires a lot of travel or a lot of work. And there are, some, there are some similarities and some overlap there that I think can relate with what you are going through and hence growing through. Yeah, you know what? It's funny you should say that. Um, as this sort of uh, evolved, and I, I began to sort of, you know, very tentatively mention it on stage, uh, I had women who came up to me, you know, after my show. And, you know, sometimes people don't know, is that really true? Are you just making a joke? You know, what's going on? Um, and, you know, just sort of feeling me out. And I said, well, no, yes, it's, uh, I'm going through this right now and kind of stuff. And then they would just, open up their hearts and say, wait a minute, where, where did the couch come from? When did I turn into Oprah? Uh, but, you know, that's, that's part of my personality uh, on stage. I shouldn't just stay on stage. You know, I, I do think I'm a nice person. And when people find me, you know, approachable, you know, very engaging. And, you know, I'm one of those people that stops and talks to my fans. You know, or I'll have conversations after the show. To me, that's the best part of it. You know, where we, I actually get to meet you. You know, I, I interact with my Facebook fans. I interact with people on Twitter. You know, have that personal conversation. So, yeah, it's almost, you know, touching that, you know, I would mention, you know, I'm, I'm going through a breakup on stage and women want to come up and talk to me about what they're going through and what happened to them. You know, now, um, now I, I do, uh, obviously, as a, as a talk show host, I've done a, a, a great deal of public speaking, and, and, and I have interviewed, you know, some of the best in the, uh, on the planet. And one of the things that I have come to realize is it is, uh, in one sense, extremely difficult to stand before an audience and be completely naked uh, and bare your soul 
But on the mm-hmm. opposite side of that, there's a catharsis there. Yes. Uh, speak to me about the dance between those two that, that you are going through right now. Well, first of all, what's important to understand um, is that while you're completely naked on stage and everyone thinks, oh, my God, how can I do that? Uh, the audience, everyone in the audience is so glad it's not them. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, unless it's a, unless it's a sociopath, they're rooting for you to win. Mm-hmm. They're, mm-hmm. They're, all, they're mostly on your side. You know, so whether you're performing or public speaking, you know, they want to hear what you have to say. They want to be entertained. They want to be informed. Um, your job then is to do those things and to, to be engaging, doing that, and they're happy sitting in their seat knowing that they don't have to then uh, get up and do it. Uh, so there's a, there's a certain uh, relationship that you have with the audience. Like, I can play and get up and do this, and you guys appreciate it. I've spared you. I've spared you. Um, and there's also the, you know, getting off stage and people sort of, and it, it also happens on stage, you know, that, that sort of signifying. You know, that's what you get with the applause or with the laughter, people going, oh, yes, I understand. Oh, yes, I've gone through that. You know, or the, or the, or the hand clap. Yes, yes, we get you. You know, we, mm-hmm. we, we, mm-hmm. we can't talk about it out loud when things are going to people, but thank you for doing it. You know, mm-hmm. so well. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, it's, how have you uh, grown, uh, or how have comedy uh, and the outlet of doing comedy, uh, how has that grown you as a, as a person? What have you learned about yourself? When Did you ever have moments where you were on stage and, and you were producing or presenting your material, or you might have been writing the material and you had an aha moment about yourself? Yeah, you know what, I, stand has taught me so much, you know, performing has taught me so much. I, I started the business, and I always feel people start uh, doing one thing better than the other. So people start as really good performers, and their writing isn't that strong. Or people start mm-hmm. as really good writers, and their performance is weak. And your job in development is to pick up the one that's weak. You know, to have it come up and match the one that's strong, and then those two things go together. I believe that is sort of the, the big picture evolution of of a performer, or and specifically as a stand-up. So I had to learn patience. Uh, I had to learn the power of observation and, mm-hmm. and knowing, you know, when something is going well, when not to force it. You know, I had to learn what my what my sort of rhythm was. Yeah, but I would have these struggles with myself. Like, I'm not writing enough or I'm not performing enough. And sort of stepping back and going, okay, this is when I like to write. This is when I need to get this material on stage. Uh, also sort of accepting how the audience saw me. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a struggle in the beginning. Like, I don't want them to see me as a woman. I don't want them to see me as a pretty good listen. They are making judgments about you at the minute you make it into their eye line. Mm-hmm. You know, accept that, do with it what you will, don't obsess about it, use it or not, move on. Uh, another thing that I learned is that everybody, and I, I sort of learned this from my mentor, both in telling me and then living it, um, each performance is different, and you have to perform to the sound of your laugh. 
you know. So I know when an audience is dead silent, whether or not they're bored or they're truly listening. You know, I you know, boredom is if they're chatting. You know, but I know for my show, my audience, they're dead silent because they're leaning in and listening because they know the words matter. You know, they know that the facial expressions matter. They know that everything uh, counts in the performance and they're going to be rewarded if they're listening. Uh, you brought up something that was interesting. I remember uh, you, you were saying uh, it's the audience, you know, getting in and thinking and, 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 and they're in that mode. Irma, uh, Irma Bombeck was one of the greatest female comics, I think, and she was such a, a genius at making people <coughs> think. Uh, mm-hmm. That is one of the things that I, I see as, a, as your gift is that you are able to uh, produce and present comedy <coughs> that – uh, makes you think. That being said, what, what do you think would be your ideal, or who is your ideal audience? Wow. Um, my ideal audience, I have, I, have, I have several ideal audiences. At a very base level, you need to be there to laugh. On a very, very base level. And I know that sounds simple, but sometimes people aren't. There are folks that come out to a comedy show because their friends drag them. Or they're sitting in the the front row with their arms crossed. They are not mentally open and ready. Mm -hmm. You know, so now it's not comedy, it's combat. Because I got to fight past Mm -hmm. what you've got going on in order to give you some joy. Uh, So so on a very basic level, I'd like you to be open. You don't have to be, because I'm going to get you. It's just easier if you don't fight me. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. That's fine. Now, in a, okay. now in, a more, in a very more specific way, um, in a very, uh, I'm just trying to get my thoughts together. Uh, I'm sorry, Felipe. I'm, I'm, I just, I'm, I'm a little flustered because i got a couple of things going on here at the same time. Oh, no worries. No worries. That's why it's called real, real, you know, real radio. So in a very, very specific way, um, the audience that I, audiences I enjoy most, um, educated, um, middle class, upper middle class, you know, been to college, not necessarily finished because, you know, college is expensive, you know, mm-hmm. I'll even say leaders, you know, folks that aren't sort of stuck in their own little teen world, you know, who are mm-hmm. willing to, to get out. Uh, and, and and know that the world is bigger than the block, so to speak. Um, Love that. Love so, that. So I, I really enjoyed uh, performing at colleges. Uh, Love doing corporate stuff, you know. Because folks have jobs, but they take a pay. I really love it. And I mean, my ideal, ideal audience, who I really, really have always loved is women's groups. You know, it started out performing at women's colleges, and, you know, an audience of all women is a different energy. You know, it's, it's funny what happens when men aren't present. Uh, mm-hmm. Interesting. I didn't think about that. I guess so. When you're, yeah, when you're not worried about what your date is thinking mm-hmm. or, or you're trying to impress, you just sort of, you know, when, when you sort of lady get loose, so to speak. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not talking the, the drunken wild bachelorette parties, you mm-hmm. know, but, but when it's a gathering of women, you know, that energy can be just so much fun. Um, and that's across the age groups, you know, whether it's college women or professional women, 
um, or, or women's organizations, I, I've always had an absolutely wonderful time because they appreciate finally uh, having a female comic who can get up there and articulate uh, some of their experiences, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. from my own point of view, or, or who can, you know, speak to their experience. You know, they love that. Uh, and there was always a plethora of men, uh, male comics. You go to any show in the city, you know, say if it's a regular showcase show, you know, you'll see eight to ten comics and one is a woman, maybe mm-hmm. two. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, getting the opportunity to do, to perform with all female audiences is, uh, oh my gosh. So is your comp would you do you do blue comedy? Uh or is your material blue or is it uh, mainstream? I remember you know, some years ago when Sinbad came out, uh that was one of the things that, that was a big debate of him doing uh non blue material. Uh how, what is your position on that? Well, I would say that my position on that has actually changed over the years. Um, when I started, I, well, people still consider me to be queen. Um, and I guess in today's environment, um, that's not hard, uh, considering how scatological material can be. You know, you can just about get away with anything on, on cable. Uh, I find you can be offensive not necessarily with four little words, but with concepts and politics. You'll offend mm-hmm. more people that way than you will saying a, a supposedly bad word. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I started, you know, squeaky clean, and as I, you know, again, developed, matured, I realized that sometimes the right word is a cuss word. There's mm-hmm. no other word that fits the You know, and to shy away from it, to be afraid of it, then makes the material disingenuous because everyone mm-hmm. has that thought. Mm-hmm. And they can hear when they're not using the right word. Uh, the trick is, and, and this is something I learned from Robert Klein, who's a, a, a wonderful comic, uh, and I, I enjoy his work very much. I don't know how many HBO specials he's had. Uh, his theory on it is that you use uh, cuss words uh, as a spice, as when you would in cooking. When you overspice the meal, it ruins it. Used in the right proportion, it's a delicious meal, and you don't even notice what spices were used. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so that's that. I'll, I'll give you, uh, I guess, sort of a, a performance example. Um, I do shows for Carnival Cruise Lines, and we're required to do a family show, which is for children through grandmothers. You know, okay. that's thought to be queen. You know, not necessarily Disney queen, but, you know, there's lots of things you can't say or even mm-hmm. lots. Mm-hmm. Uh, on mm-hmm. the same cruise, you also do uh, an adult show, which they call an R rated show. Uh, okay. I tell people I'm 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 not a case R. I'm not up a case R. And I've actually cursed on stage, you know, with it, with, if it if it called for it, and had little old ladies come up to me afterwards going, "Oh my God, you're so clean. You never said a curse." And I'm like, "Yeah, I did." <laughs> but they didn't hear it because it was so talking to you. Right, right, right. Let's let's talk about this because here's another controversial uh, conversation that Uh is within the comedic realm, uh, and that is the excessive use of the N-word. Oh, 
Is it accepted now? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you look at the majority of, especially at, well, I guess it has to be African-American comics because, you know, if it was the other week, it would be, uh, uh, Al Sharpton would be on. Um, if you look at the majority of the, the, the uh, male comics, uh, the, the lot of use of the, of the N-word. Uh, what is your position on that, and, and do, do you use it? Have you used it? What, what, how do you feel about that? Well, I almost feel like that uh, that cop in the O.J. Simpson case. Have you ever used the N-word? No. What? Are you kidding me? Of course not. <laughs> so I'll, I would be disingenuous to say that that word has never slipped from my lips. Uh, that's number one, in case anybody out there has a case. Uh, I... I this was a hard one for me um, because there are First Amendment issues and then there are cultural issues. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not the thought police. If that's really the word you want to use, my First Amendment right says you're allowed to use it. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. Um, but to use it without thought of its historical and cultural implications is irresponsible. Mm, um, well said. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I would like to think I'm putting my English degree to use and I can find a different word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that I'm, I'm just not running in no circles. And if, if everyone's using the word, then it's not being really heard. And mm-hmm. what's, you know, how are you now distinguishing yourself? You know, as a warm-up. Sure, absolutely. You mentioned earlier... Um, we were talking about the difference between, you know, comedy 20 years ago versus now. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that is hugely different that you are extremely good at uh, is being a comedian in a social media uh, and Internet world. Mm. <laughs> that, because there are, there are some comedians, you're very welcome, there are some comedians who uh, I think that stuck in the middle. I mean, you got some of the old timers who it's, it, it's not necessary. They, they've established their, their brand, their name, they're out there, their, their household name. But then you have some that I think got caught in the middle of this and are trying to figure out how uh, to effectively uh, incorporate it into their marketing and into mm-hmm. their message. Um, how have you been able to do that so successfully? Uh, well, thank you. Uh, I hope I'm successful um, at it. Um, if I say you did it successfully, honey, you did it successfully. I well, you know what? I appreciate it. It is. Uh, I want to show. <laughs> I want to say in the very beginning, you know, it was a little trial and error, and then I'm I'm a researcher. You know, I I'll read articles. On, on marketing and, and how comics are, are using uh, the medium. You know, just because one isn't in school uh, doesn't mean one doesn't have the responsibility to educate oneself, mm-hmm. um, especially with all of the, the new things, quote-unquote, that are available and ever-changing. Um, it's, it, to me, it's because that's, you know, uh, one's responsibility. Um, and then to see how it fits you. You know, I wasn't on Twitter. You know, I wasn't right there at, at the beginning because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not an early adopter. I'm not a first responder. You know, I didn't have the original iPhone. You know, mm-hmm. I kind of, mm-hmm. I, I lay in the cut and say, well, well how is this going to work for me? 
uh, how is this possible? I, I just had a conversation with a, a comment the other day. He goes, I've got to get on Twitter. And I said, no, you don't. If you're not already mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. if you're not already there, don't feel the pressure to do it. But if you're looking mm-hmm. at it and going, you know what? This medium fits me because it'll help me get my jokes down quick. I can do a joke in 140 characters and send it out there, and I can do 10, 20, 30 jokes a day. I can reach my fans. Well, then, yeah, you should be on Twitter. But don't just jump to a social media network or platform that you don't understand how it's going to work for you and how you can use it. Um, Now, it took me a little while, you know, and and to me it's still involving, you know, in in terms of looking at, well, what's the difference between Twitter and, and Facebook? And how am I reaching fans here? And how am I reaching fans on this platform? Um, and it, it comes down to, you know, taking, I guess, ownership and responsibility for your brand and knowing that no one's going to build your fan base for you. You know, yeah. plenty of people come in and do it when you're, when you're big and famous. Then you'll get the team. Sure. You know, but in, in the meantime, you know, it's, you know, I, I had people go, hey, I'm on Instagram. You know, why aren't you on there? Okay, well, I guess I better be on Instagram. Right, right, right. <laughs> because I've got fans on there. And, it, you know, you go on, you see other other comics on there. Well, what are they doing? And what are people posting? And how does that fit me? And what do I do? Um, well, you know, back was, in the day, uh, television, well, you know, even though television obviously still exists, but <clears throat> back in the day, the only way for a comic to uh, become uh, a household name and to get known was to get on television and, of course, then get on specific shows uh, mm-hmm. so that they, they could get their message out, be known, and uh, you know, that was their, their focus, uh, as well as just many different types of entertainment, whether they're singers or poets or dancers or performers of, of, of many different else. However, now you have this thing called YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, where you can uh, basically be in front of uh, uh, your audience uh, really wherever they're at. They don't have to necessarily be uh, uh, in their uh, living room where they might accidentally find you or or they have to change their behavior to go and watch you. Now you have a medium where you can be with them 24 hours a day. You can be on their phone. You can be on their tablet. Mm-hmm. You can be on their laptop. How has that or is that uh, changing the way uh, comics are presenting themselves to uh, this new audience? Well, um, a couple of things. Like you doing yeah. college. Well, there's a couple things here. First, I think, and maybe this is just me, there's still that nostalgia of of wanting the goal of being on TV. You know, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know a comic mm-hmm. who would turn down an opportunity to be on the tonight show. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. To, to do that, I mean, that's still sort of you know, perhaps it's passe, but um, it's still a, a feather in the cap. Perhaps not as big a feather as it used to be, um, but still some things that I, I think a comic would feel good about a team. Um, but on the flip side, where we are in the industry now, um, it can be seen as being incredibly empowering. You now do not have to wait for talent scout, agent, producer, network to sort of co-sign on your project. Mm-hmm. If you have uh, the idea uh, the planning skills, the chutzpah, the, you know, camera and a will, so to speak, you can be your own producer. 
Now, now we're talking we're talking levels of quality. You know, what you're going to do is going to be a slightly different than what George Lucas can put together. Sure. You know, sure. absolutely. Um, but we are living in an age where people are not letting that stop them. They are saying, I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to go directly to my fans. I'm not going to wait for a middleman to pass me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that is something that, like I said, empowering and also really scary. You sure. know, because now, now all of a sudden, you know, no one's standing in your way. You, no one's like, oh, hold me back. No, no, all of a sudden, yeah, no, there's nobody, nobody told me. No, no, okay. So you really got to show up. Exactly, which uh, is a whole other issue because now we have folks that are scared to show up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, all of a sudden the onus is on them. Now what you got? Now what mm-hmm. you going to do? What's holding you back now? What? It, it's taken away the excuses. So to speak. Well, I have seen your and this, and this is interesting because I've seen your work uh, on YouTube and some of your, some of your past work and some of your present work. And w- one of the things that I, I notice is, is that it has made me want to see you live and in concert or in person yes. on stage. Yes. And, yes. and that's where I think the empowerment comes from is that when a person sees you uh, via YouTube, they say, oh, my God, she is hilarious. And then, of course, what they do, they, do, they pass it on, they email it to their mm-hmm. friend or what have you. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you have uh, this global audience that would never be able to be all in the room at the same time, no matter what venue or how big the venue is that you would have. Exactly. Uh, so do you feel that, that with the advent of social media that uh, you almost have to at least be on YouTube because you're in a visual medium, that you at least have to be on, on, on uh, have a YouTube component to uh, your marketing strategy as, as, as a performer? If you are a performer, yes. Now, uh, in full disclosure, I feel I was sort of late to the YouTube component, you know, because once again, it's, oh, man, something else to do. I got to do this, too. You know, because any independent person, you know, if you're, uh, so if you're freelance, if you're, you know, doing your own thing, you're wearing a lot of hats. You're doing mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, then this is one more thing to, to put on the plate. And uh, I have the, the dubious position of being a workaholic, control freak, perfectionist. So <laughs> I'm going to want to do it perfectly. And, and mm-hmm. doing things perfectly is just the enemy of doing anything at all. Sure. Uh, so that's my own personal that I have to get over. You know what? I really need to, to do this. And I found in just the small things that I've done, it really has sort of increase my audience. You know, I mm-hmm. could perform in a comedy club in front of 60 people or have my videos seen by who knows. And I found myself in a situation where I'll, it, it just happened. I worked on a cruise ship recently and had someone run up to me after the show going, oh, my God, it's you. I'm friends with you on Facebook. I, I, I watch your videos. I, I read your word of the day. You know, they're running down all the stuff that I Wow, wow. How powerful is that? Right. This is a clear fan. He was like, oh, my God, I have to introduce you to my wife. 
It was wonderful, you know, and that's just one example of how I've seen, you know, people, they'll see one thing, they'll see my word of the week or my word of the day or my quote of the day or my blog or my blog, you know, I'm providing content for people, you know, I'm finding, you know, if, if what I give you is joy, then waiting for you to by accident, be in a club paying two drinks to, to access that, you mm-hmm. know, is mm-hmm. So no matter which way you find me, uh, or whatever pulls you in, I do find people going, well, you are funny, when are you coming to my camp? You know, mm-hmm. I've got, mm-hmm. I find, I've got fans not just continental U.S., but, you know, fans in Australia, fans in England, fans in Holland, who are like, when are you coming back here? Uh, Incredible. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, then that's just how you build your ground swell, so to speak. You know? so, and would you also say that, uh, that uh, social media probably has changed the way managers and agents and people who book comics and, and promote comics, especially a show, uh, they've had to adapt uh, uh, as well? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and and that has affected the industry in many different ways. I mean, there are folks now that instead of going out to showcases, you know, they are checking your YouTube page. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're looking at your Twitter stream and looking at your Facebook. Um, do I think that's the sum total of what they should be doing? No, because nothing replaces sort of that live performance. I think that's sort of the first step in checking out uh, mm-hmm. the um, that, that's, that's part of your checklist. It shouldn't be your complete checklist by any mm-hmm. stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is definitely a component. And I think the artist suffers who does not have those things up and running. You know, if you don't have a website, which I still think you need, uh, a Facebook presence, a Twitter, you know, that those, those things to me are, are at this point very basic. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of mm-hmm. people who are promoting shows, it's very common now to be put on a show and then saying, hey, can you promote this through your social network? Because it really all still comes down to putting things in the seat. Everybody wants to make money. This, is a, this isn't, you know, an all altruistic enterprise. Mm-hmm. People, want, mm-hmm. people want to pay mortgages, put children through school, have a nice car, have a decent meal. Well, yeah, you bring up a very that. good point. You bring up a very good point, and that is, yeah, this is about, uh, as, as the old-timers would say, putting bums in seats. Um, mm-hmm. Do you feel that uh, the Internet possibly could dilute that? Uh, because people can get their dose of comedy via YouTube and say, okay, I'm good. I don't have to go and see the person in per- uh, live and in person. So there could be an opposite to that. Um, you know, I, I heard this argument um, when there was a glut of comedy on TV for cable. There was a lot of comedy on cable. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if uh, the same argument was going on when radio happened. I'm mm-hmm. sure it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, when a young man asks a lady out on a date, it's not usually to his computer to watch a video. Now, maybe if you're a teenager and your parents don't let you out. Uh, but at some point, you're going to need to take your your date for the evening out on the town. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's whether it's the first date, whether it's um, a, a couple with a newborn at home that needs to get out, 
whether people are celebrating a birthday or anniversary, we are social people. And while the computer is great, while your cell phone is great, while TV is great, you know, people still like to get out and congregate, you know, mm-hmm. have, have a drink and have that social experience. Mm-hmm. And a comic that you've seen or a performance you've seen on TV or on the Internet, there's nothing like having that experience live. You know, I mean, if this were the case, people would not pay good gobs of money to go see a football game or basketball game. That live energy Mm-hmm. Just not mm-hmm. duplicated. Very good. You know, I, don't, I don't care how high best your screen is. <laughs> <laughs> it's 3D. Look at it. It's like in my living room. So, yeah, right. Listen, it's not the same. Well, I can tell you right now, I'm not a huge sports fan. And I still remember going to a basketball game going, wow, like I couldn't believe all the things that were going on. You know, and, and, and how crowded the, the stadium was and, you know, the the, the players and the, just, it was just a completely different thing than I would have thought is casually walking by my TV screen. So people are still, like I said, they're going to want to have that social experience. So will YouTube put a dent in it? Probably the same amount of dent that TV and radio did. You know, mm-hmm. at some point mm-hmm. you're going to need to put on your nice clothes and impress somebody. <laughs> Very, very well said. Very well said. With that being said, how can people get in contact with you? Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, as you have made it very clear, I am all over. <laughs> but not in, a, not in a social media slutty way. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, she is not a social media slut. Do not not at all. No, not at all. all. She's a very okay. classic. Well, here's, here's the, the, the first portal of Entree because, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not arrogant to think that people will hear my name and immediately know how to spell it. Uh, so the first portal uh, for people to, to find me is my website, which is veryfunnylady.com. And because uh, people can spell that. I don't care how drunk you are at the end of the show. We love you. Who are you? Veryfunnylady.com. You know, that's that very easy um, for people. Uh, but after that, you know, I am on Twitter. I do love to tweet. I'm actually very proud of the fact that I'm an interactive tweeter. People have been surprised by that. I don't just put a joke out there, an observation out there. You respond to me, I respond to you. I actually enjoy, you know, the conversation. Um, so I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. Um, exploring the other uh, uh, medium, so to speak. You know, I, I got a little frightened off of um uh, Instagram when they changed their privacy settings <laughs> a couple mm-hmm. of weeks ago. Uh, but that's always, I guess, something to be on your toes about. Uh, but if they're going to have you, they're going to have you. You know, they, they know what they know already. I'm not sure how much it's private anymore. But so, everyfunnylady.com is yeah. uh, the web address. That's my web address. Um, and if you want to find me on Twitter, I'm Leanne Board, at Leanne Board. Um, that's me on Facebook, Leanne Board. And I don't, I don't have time for, you know, sexy girl 805. No, that's not me. I actually want you to find me. <laughs> you know, I post on Twitter. Like, how did you even know me? No one knows you. You were using a fake name. How was I supposed to know that was you? <laughs> <laughs> so what's next for you? What's, what, where can we, where can we, uh, uh, expect to find you live? 
uh, and in person. Uh, how can we how can we pursue some some Leanne Lord uh, comedy? Um, well, uh, if you are not in my geographic location, um, I love now pointing people to YouTube. I've got some really really cool clips up there. Uh, both stand up and, and, and some other video projects that I'm working on and the vlog that I do, uh, which is the video version of my, uh, my weekly vlog, The Urban Irma. So, you know, again, if you're not in my geographic location, don't feel like you're missing out. You can get a little bit of me that way. Um, but if you are in the New York City tri-state area, I've got a really wonderful show, uh, coming up on, uh, on January 26th. I'm headlining, uh, at a club here, uh, in Queens called The Laughing Devil. Uh, which I love. It's, it's, I believe our only uh, fully functioning comedy club in Queens, in my home borough. So they're very kind to me there. I'm really looking forward to that show. It's on Saturday. I have two shows, uh, 8 and 10.30. And I would love to see folks uh, come out and, and, and be in the audience and enjoy some uh, very smart, funny, classy humor with me. Um, well, that's here. not the only show. That's not the only show. They can always check my website, veryfunnylady.com, go to the calendar page, and find the show and come on out. Well, lady, I, I, let me tell you, very funny lady, you are, uh, in my opinion, hilarious. Uh, you're, you're, you're a gift to the industry. I, I'm absolutely blessed that uh, I found you and got a chance to uh, uh, share some, some time with you. And, uh, this is a long time in the making. <laughs> it, it is. It is. We've been going back and forth and back and forth and scheduling in time. It's been crazy. But I, I, I definitely want to have you come back on the show. Let me know what you're up to and let us know what you're up to and what you're doing. Uh, and, uh, you know, keep doing what you're doing and, you know, grow through the relationship and then, you know, a lot, you know, bring it, bring it to the stage and we'll, we'll be there for you. We'll support you and we'll hold you up. I appreciate it. I really do. All right, my dear. God bless and thank you for being on. Oh, thank you. All right, Leanne. Uh, so it's uh, veryfunnylady.com, ladies and gentlemen. Leanne Lord. Uh, check her out and also check just go to uh, YouTube and you can also type in Very Funny Lady on YouTube and all of her stuff will pop up. All right, my dear. God bless. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Talk soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.